right, everybody, welcome back to yet another episode of the Mac Bandwagon Podcast. It's Friday once again. We made it through another week. Uh, I am Zach Folidor, joined here as always by my uh, co-host Sam Thillman. All moved in in Muncie there on campus. How you doing there, Sam? First week of classes, the Pacers fired Nate McMillan. I think you're probably having a good week if I had to guess. Uh, yeah, I'm actually recording from my lounge on my floor right now. So moving weeks has been good. As you mentioned, uh, the Pacers recently fired their head coach. So I'm pretty excited about that. Overall, it's been going good so far. We haven't been sent home yet, so I'm just holding out for hope. Yeah, there you go. Made, made it through the first week. So that's, that's baby steps, I suppose. Yeah, so what, what, I guess before we get into the Mac stuff, I did want to ask you about all, you know, Nate McMillan and the Pacers. What's the feeling like there? I mean, I know losing four years in a row in the first round of the playoffs is not good. I, I know you weren't happy when they gave him an extension a couple weeks ago. Sounded, it seems kind of weird they gave him that extension and then two weeks later they fire him. Yeah, I didn't understand the whole thing. Like, I, I didn't think they could fire him after just giving extension. But I'm, I'm feeling pretty happy he went 3-16 and 16 over his uh, tenure in the playoffs for the Pacers. He did have a winning record in the regular season, but that's not what matters. When you look at our previous coach, Frank Vogel, he reached two Eastern Conference finals, and we still let him go. So at the end of the day, it's all about what you can do in the playoffs. And I'm pretty happy. Hopefully we can bring someone in like a possible Mike D'Antoni to possibly get us to another Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, certainly. That would be an interesting pairing there with the, the guards you have on that roster to see if, if D'Antoni could come in and change some things. But uh, anyway, anyway, we got Max stuff to discuss here. We don't want to waste too much time on the NBA got some news this week obviously you know it's that time of the year it's the last week of august usually we are preparing for games right now unfortunately we don't have that however what we do have is that the uh, pro football focus this week released their uh, 2020 preseason all mac team this is what would have been their um you know their all conference teams if, if the mac would have played this year so we're, me and sam are going to break this down here for you we're going to go position by position um obviously We'll start with the quarterbacks. And Sam, I'm curious to get your thoughts on some of these. I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to get the, the fans' thoughts on these as well because uh, some of these, I, you know, we were looking at this list. Some of these are a little bit, you know, we, we weren't sure that we agreed with them. But anyway, let's dive in. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts, man. But so starting off with the quarterbacks, first team quarterback, they went with Dustin Crum from Kent State. I don't think either of us would disagree with that. We've talked about him a ton on the podcast thus far. Uh, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the group of five, not just in the Mac. However, you look at the next, uh, the next three quarterbacks they listed here, you got second team, Kyle Van Trees from Buffalo, third team, Brett Gabbert from Miami, Ohio, and then honorable mention, uh, your boy Drew Plitt from Ball State. So starting with the quarterbacks here, Sam, uh, curious to get your thoughts on, on this list and, and the four guys that they went with. Oh, it's an interesting bunch. Uh, I'm not really sure how they went about doing this system. Like, I'm not sure, like, um, the system they used to, like, give each other, give a person a grade or whatnot. But, yeah, like you said, I don't disagree with Dustin Crum. I think he obviously deserves the number one spot. Now, the second, third team in honorable mention is where it gets a little bit tricky for me. I think Brett Gabbert, I, I like him. If you don't know, he's the brother of Blaine Gabbert, who was a uh, NFL veteran for a couple of years. I really like his game as he was named um, Mac Freshman of the Year. I'm a big fan, as everybody know. I'm a Ball State guy, Drew Plitt. And I'm just not sure if Kyle Vantrese, as good as he is, belongs in the second team. Personally, I would have had Dustin Crum. Uh, Brett Gabbert, second team, Drew Plitt, third team, and Cal Vantries. I don't know what you thought, Zach. I am with you there, Sam. I, I look at the stats here, and, and again, I think you're right. You know, pro football focus, they might have been looking at these guys in terms of, you know, potential, you know, you know, pro potential moving down the road. Maybe that's the only thing I could think of that maybe would have them put – uh, Kyle Van Trees in the in the second spot there but let's just I mean I'm just looking at numbers here I'm just looking at stats right Kyle Van Trees last year 1193 yards eight touchdowns two interceptions 58.7 percent completion then I look at Drew Plitt 2918 yards 24 touchdowns seven interceptions 64.3 percent completion and Brett Gabbert 2411 yards 11 touchdowns eight interceptions uh, 55% completion. So Van Trees and Gabbert are, are com comparable, I'd say, stats-wise. 
But that just leads me back to the, my original point, which I don't know how you put either of those guys over Drew Plitt. I, I don't understand. It seems to me like Drew Plitt does not get a lot of, of respect here, even with the, the year that he had last season. Maybe it's because Ball State kind of fell apart at the end of the year last year. But I mean, even just those numbers, I think those numbers speak for themselves. I'm, I'm not sure how they could put either one of those two guys over Plitt. That's not me talking down on Van Trees or Brett Gabber. I think they're both going to have you know, very good years whenever that does happen, whether it's the spring or next fall. I just feel like among that group of those three guys, I feel like I'd take Plitt over those other two any day of the week. Yeah, and I, I think you hit on perfectly. Yeah, he's underrated. Uh, Plitt led the Ball State Cardinals to the number one MAC offense, and you can't, you can't argue that fact. I believe they were averaging like 45 points per game on offense when you look at Brett Gabbard and uh, Cal Trees, no disrespect to them. As you mentioned, they're definitely solid quarterbacks. It's just play had the best year. And I don't know whether they're looking at – and even when you look at the offense around them, Cal Trees had the number one rusher in Jared Passman. And, yes, Caleb Huntley did have a solid 1,500 yards. So when you look at the offense, it seemed like Buffalo was – is um, Jared Patterson kind of leads the offense more than Caleb Huntley does for Ball State. Yeah, you're, you're certainly right about that. So um, maybe a little bit of disagreement between us and, and pro football focus there. But, uh, but nonetheless, that, that's the, the group that they went with in the ranking system that they went with. So uh, moving on next to the running back group. So um, they, went with, they, they went with two first-team running backs, two second-team, two third-team, two honorable mentions. So first, the two first-team running backs here that pro football focus went with, you got Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. I don't think anyone's arguing with that one. He's one of the best player in the conference last year. The other first-team running back they went with was uh, Demontre Tuggle from Ohio. And then on the second team, you got Caleb Huntley from Ball State and Bryant Kobach from Toledo. Third team, you got uh, Tyre Shelton from uh, Miami and Kobe Lewis from Central Michigan. And then in the honorable mention spots, you got uh, Xavier Williams and Kent from Kent State and Kevin Marks from Buffalo. Um, again, I don't think anyone's going to argue with Jarrett Patterson there on the first team. Um, beyond that, though, Sam, uh, what, what are your thoughts here? Man, I, I personally don't get how you can put Demontre Tuggle in that first spot. When you look at Demontre Tuggle's stats, 644 rushing yards and 121 receiving yards, totaling 765 yards. Do you know how many yards Caleb Huntley had just in rushing last year, Zach? Uh, it was, it was like, 1,200-something. I think it was 1,500. I could be wrong. Yeah, let me, let me double check that. You know what? I, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. 248 attempts, 1,275 yards, okay. 12 touchdowns. So, I mean, five yards a carry, 1,200, almost 1,300 yards rushing. So, even even with – I must have missed that up with uh, Jared Patterson's numbers. But when you look at that, that's more 500 yards more yeah. in just rushing alone than his entire um, statistical category. When you look at touchdowns as well – he, he's dominant as well. So I don't understand how they can put even as good as Demontre Tuggle is over Caleb Huntley. Yeah. And, and I agree with Caleb Huntley there. And also Brian Kobach from Toledo, same deal, 195 carries, 1,187 yards, 12 touchdowns, 6.1 yards per carry. Uh, I mean, Kobach and Caleb Huntley, to me, both uh, demonstratively better stat wise than, um, than Demontre Tuggle. And even, even Kevin Marks from, from Buffalo, obviously he was backing up uh, Jared Patterson all year. He still average, he had over a thousand yards too, as a true freshman, 227 carries, 1,035 yards, eight touchdowns, 4.6 yards per carry. So to have him on, you know, as a, as an honorable mention, essentially the fourth team and to have Demontre Tuggle uh, as the, you know, the first team running back, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm not sure the the justification there. But again, this this is their list that we're just kind of uh, giving our opinions on it. So yeah. So a couple a couple definitely a couple of uh, you know questionable choices there in our eyes for those first two position groups. Now we move on to the wide receivers. Um, some some good choices here. I think I, I don't have quite as many disagreements here, although I think there's a couple things that we could talk about. So you got the the similar to the running backs, you got two first team, two second team, two third team, two honorable mention here. Uh, so the first team receivers, you got Quion Williams from Eastern Michigan and Antonio Nunn from Buffalo. On the second team, you got Jack Sorensen from Miami and Johannes Taylor from Ball State. 
third team, you got Justin Hall from Ball State and is Isaiah McCoy from Kent State. And then on the honorable, honorable mention team here uh, to round out this list, you have Shane Hooks from Ohio and Cole Tucker from, uh, from Northern Illinois. Sam, I don't know what it is about these Ball State guys, but I mean, you got Justin Hall here on the third team. Um, I'm sure, I, I know I don't agree with that. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I'm, I'm at least uh, glad that Ball State's getting some recognition, even, even if it isn't first team, which would be nice. But I think we all know about Justin Hall and the dynamic um, play playmaker he is like the first thing that comes to mind is me watching him literally hurdle over an IU defender that's like when I think of Justin Hall perfect example and I like the fact that they brought up Johannes Tyler I don't think he gives a, a much love as he deserves when you look at yes Justin Hall is the number one receiver moving forward but Johannes Tyler had a solid season despite only being a sophomore last year I expect big things for him moving forward yeah, I'm just, I'm just overallly, I'm just overall glad that even if we're not getting first team recognition, we're at least getting second and third team. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was surprised just because of how productive Justin Hall was last year. You know, with with six touchdowns and almost 700 yards, I was surprised they put him on the third team and Johannes Taylor on the second team. But and uh, but outside of that, I, I don't have. You know, I don't have too many disagreements with this list. I think having Quion Williams from Eastern Michigan on the first team originally, that um, that surprised me a little bit. But his, his, you know, his stats are quite comparable to um, to Justin Hall, and 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 also, you know, the the one thing that they pointed out in their article here, which was pretty incredible to me, is he hauled in ninety eight point one percent of his catchable targets last year in two thousand nineteen. That was fourth in the entire country. You're right. If you're if you're catching 98% of the passes that are thrown your way and are catchable, that's quite a stat right there. So so I give him props for that, and I'm not going to argue too much with his inclusion there. Same with Antonio Nunn. I think uh, he's he's definitely a guy that I think could have had a breakout year this year. And I, I apologize actually. There's there, there's a a, um, a third group of receivers here. I, I wasn't down far enough. So the third guy on the first team is Sky Moore from Western Michigan who also I know we've talked about a little bit before. I think he's one of the most dynamic playmakers in the conference as well. So I don't know about you, Sam, but I, I didn't have as much of an issue here with the group they selected for the wide receivers as I did with the quarterbacks or the running backs. Yeah, and I, the only thing I would disagree, I think Sky Moore should have been higher. Like I know they have like maybe they're all in the same like playing field as far as first team, but I could potentially see Sky Moore being first or second listed instead of third. Maybe it had to do with alphabetical. I'm not really sure how they organize this list, but yeah, that's the only thing I have a uh, qualm with. Yeah, and, and when you look at him, I think maybe the, the thing that hurts Sky more, in terms of yards, he had 800 yards last year. In terms of yards per reception, he's up near 16 yards. So that right there puts him at the top of the league in both of those categories. I think maybe the thing that hurt him is he only had three touchdown catches last year as compared to, you know, Justin Hall and, and, um, and Quion, Moore, or Quion Williams, excuse me. Some of these guys had, you know, six, seven touchdowns. They, you know, they found the end zone a little bit more. That's the only thing I could think of. But I, I do tend to agree with you just based on the yards and the production there. Um, I, I do feel like he could have been mentioned a little bit higher. Moving on down to the uh, the tight ends group, we got a couple solid tight ends here. You got the first team, um, Ryan Lurman from Ohio. Uh, your second team is Quentin Morris from Bowling Green. Third team, Daniel Crawford from Northern Illinois. Honorable mention here, Bryson Cannon from Eastern Michigan. I think this group suffers a little bit from the fact that Tony Poljan transferred from Central Michigan a few weeks ago. I think he would have, without question, probably been the first pick here. But I still think this is a pretty good uh, pretty good group here. Sam, any, any thoughts on any of these tight ends? Um, not really. Like you mentioned, Tony Poljan, uh, like transferred to this, definitely hurts the list. Um, I'm, I, I haven't looked too in-depthly at the tight end position in the MAC. Like I just haven't paid too much attention because – Usually it's the receivers who get most of the yards, but tight ends are definitely a solid part of the offense. I, I, I definitely want to check out each one of these just to like see how they stack up against each other. But yeah, I think it's a solid list from what I've seen so far. And yeah, it just sucks that Tony Poljan probably would have been the number one guy listed if he didn't transfer. Yeah, yeah, I think you're. I agree with that. I think the guy here that that I like is uh, is Quentin Morris from Bowling Green. He's a guy that doesn't get talked about much, only because 
Bowling Green, you know, their, their program in general right now, they're, they're not in a great spot. They're struggling to, to get wins. But this is a guy that caught 55 balls last year for 650 yards and four touchdowns. He's a guy I know he was um, from, from the little Bowling Green football that I saw last year. He's a huge target in the red zone, 6'4", 228. He has good size. I think this is a guy that if he can have a good year this year, I could see him uh, as, you know, one of those Mac guys that gets drafted in the seventh round or something like that and maybe tries to catch on to an NFL team. This is a guy that's been productive for, for the last two seasons. I uh, caught 55 balls last year, 42 the year before that. Um, so I, I think this is a guy that I like. But I also I can't I can't argue with putting Ryan Lerman over him. I think he's another guy that's an established starter in this league. Um, but I think those those two is the top two right there. I, I, I don't have any issues with that. The offensive line here, so they broke it down obviously by by uh, by position. So they got they got two first team offensive guards, two first team offensive tackles, and then one center. As far as the the tackles go, you got Keode uh, Awasika, excuse me, uh, from Buffalo. The second one there is uh, Luke Godeki from Eastern from sorry Central Michigan. We all know um, the the pedigree of offensive linemen that they have churned out over the years. Uh, for at offensive guard, you got Derek Smith, also from Central Michigan, uh, along with Nick Rossi from Toledo. And then uh, at center, you have Mike Nowitzki from, uh, from Buffalo. Sam, much like the tight ends, I feel like the linemen here, you know, they don't get quite as much recognition, not quite as much, you know, you know statistics and stuff to, to look at. Uh, and kind of judge them on just on paper without really watching the film. Um, any, any, any thoughts on any of the linemen here? Nothing really. Like you mentioned, they don't get enough credit. You don't have Jared Patterson or Caleb Huntley without these guys. You don't have Jared Patterson rushing for 1,900 yards without Coyote Awasika from Buffalo or his center who was also listed, which we'll talk about later, Mike Nowitzki. It's just not possible. So, yeah, like they, they don't get enough love, as you mentioned. I don't really have any disagreements here. Um, you see the second team, uh, Tommy Doyle, who I believe is the, the guy from uh, Miami, from, Ohio, who that's transferred correct. or yeah. who opted out. Opted out, yeah. yeah. So it's sad to see him leave. But, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Yeah, and I think, uh, like I mentioned, I think the thing that stands out for me here from just from the, looking at, you know, this group, is that again? I mentioned it. You know, Central Michigan has such a, a pedigree over the last decade of of churning out really good offensive linemen. Um, obviously, you know, uh, a couple guys in the NFL right now: Eric Fisher and um, Joe Danny, Staley. Joe Staley. There you go. Thank you. Uh, but to have two Central Michigan guys um, at first, you know, the first team on this list, man, I, it's it's no wonder. Uh, with with those guys opening up holes, it's it's no wonder that Kobe Lewis was was one of the running backs chosen. I think honestly, with some of the holes the Central Michigan O line is creating, Sam, I think you or I could play running back for that team and maybe put up <laughs> a couple hundred yards. It's just something that seems like they churn out offensive linemen. I don't know what they feed them up there in Mount Pleasant, but certainly another solid group for them this year. All right, so now moving over to the defensive side of the ball. They, they break this down. So they have interior defenders and uh, edge rushers or edge defenders. So essentially you're looking at your D tackles and your D, um, your D ends for, those, for these two groups. So um, for the D tackles, two first teamers, Andrew Sharp from Miami of Ohio, Roby Stewart from Central Michigan. And then you got Eddie Wilson from Buffalo and Tico Brown from Central Michigan on the second team. Uh, Jacques Bristol and Ralph Hawley from uh, Central Michigan and Western Michigan specifically to round out those groups. And then and the DNs, you got Taylor Riggins uh, from Buffalo and Malcolm Kuntz also from Buffalo there uh, on the first team. I don't know about you, Sam, but a lot of uh, a lot of Buffalo representation here on the on this side of the ball. Obviously, Eddie Wilson on the second team for the interior, and then Taylor Riggins and Malcolm Coots both on the first team for the edge rushers. That D line for Buffalo this year would have been scary. Uh, it's it's no wonder when you watched that bowl game last year. I clearly remember Charlotte had no answer for him. I believe Coots won bowl MVP, like defensive yep. MVP for his effort. It was just all around defensive effort for Buffalo. And it would have been scary to go up against, but good thing we probably won't have, good thing at Ball State we probably won't have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. And, and yeah, actually what 
Pro Football Focus here in their article, actually, they, they talk about um, Malcolm Coons and Taylor Riggins both being in the top 10 edge rushers in all of college football. So that's power five, group of five. I don't think there's been many, been very many times in the history of the Mac where you could say there's one position group on one team that has two of the top 10 guys at their position in the entire country. It's quite a collection of talent that uh, Lance Leipold has collected there on, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball too, up there at Buffalo. Mm-hmm. They've, uh, there's a reason why B- Buffalo has really had a renaissance here over the last couple of years. Moving on to the linebackers, we got first team was Troy Brown from Central Michigan and Kadofi Wright from Buffalo. You also got on the second team, you got Jordan Cole from Northern Illinois and James Patterson from Buffalo. Uh, third team is Kashawn Gamble from Kent State and Lance DeVoe Jr. from Northern Illinois. And then Kay Thompson from Ohio and Corbin Moment from Western Michigan round out those groups there. Kadofi Wright from Buffalo, I think, is a guy here that I – I think could have a huge season. He missed the beginning of last year with a, uh, with an injury. He he didn't come back until week five. Um, He's one of those guys that I talk about a lot where, you know, it's when you're talking about some, you know, positionless football on defense, you're really a guy that can stop the run. He can drop into pass coverage. He can rush the passer. If you want to send him on a blitz, I really like him. Troy Brown's the same way. He's a, he's, really kind of known as one of those quote unquote off ball linebackers where he's really good dropping back into coverage and covering some of those running backs coming out of the backfield. Um, any, any thoughts here, Sam, on any of those guys? Um, yeah, as a all star with Kadofi, right? I think he's one of the guys that don't get a lot of love when you look at the um, rest of the position or in the um, Mac, I'm sure both you and I don't disagree with Troy Brown being first of all, but um, I want to bring over to the Twitter uh, Colin Murphy brought up the point. How about the reigning Mac defensive player of the year not being on the list at all? Uh, yeah. Not sure how that happened. I can't help but think, but think they just forgot Trayshawn Howard. So I do think that uh, Kadofi Wright is a good player, but I just think you have the Mac defensive player of the year. You look at, at how dominant he was. How can you not include him at least in in the first or second team? It is it is a great point, Trayshawn Howard. I mean. 72 tackles last year, five sacks. I mean, 72 tackles in 12 games. That's, that's really impressive. 70, 70 of those being um, solo tackles. You're right. I mean, this is a guy that was the defensive player of the year. You got, I mean, you have eight linebackers on this list. You can't tell me that he's not at least in the top eight. I think he's probably in the top two or three. So I, I would agree with you there. And, and I would agree with, uh, with Colin as well, that it does seem pretty inexplicable that they would leave him off of this list. Moving on to the uh, secondary, as far as cornerbacks go, uh, two first-team cornerbacks. Uh, you got Antonio Phillips from Ball State and Ilias Motley from Ohio. Uh, the second team, you have Amechi Uzadinma, also from Ball State, and uh, Patrick Lupro from Western Michigan, Justin Clark from Toledo, and Sam Womack, also from Toledo, rounding out the third team there. So, uh, Sam, we've talked a lot about Antonio Phillips and, and Amechi Uzadinma. It's really going to be, you know, it would have been tough to throw the ball on Ball State this year. Um, what did you think? Do you think uh, Uzadinma should have been the other first team corner, or, or do you have any disagreement there? Oh, uh, completely. Uh, I'd like to mention that they include in their artists under Antonio Phillips. They say Phillips is the lockdown corner in the MAC, and not to mention um, a couple episodes. I meant uh, I mentioned Samuel Womack's name. They gave him the respect he deserved. Third team, but no doubt that Ameki Azadunma. I'm terrible at pronouncing his name, even though he clearly deserves me pronouncing his name. He was 2019 MAC. Um, all Mac second team. When you look at, he had 17 pass deflections. 17. How how does he not deserve to be on the list? And you can then you pair him with uh, Antonio Phillips on the other side. They were they're the number one two um, uh, cornerback combo in the Mac, and you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And the other thing is, I mean, you mentioned the the passes defended from Uzadinma. He also led the MAC in interceptions last year. He had five interceptions all season. Guess who was second? Antonio Phillips. He had four. Mm-hmm. So I I agree with you. I do feel like those two probably should have been um, the, the the top two corners here and the two first team guys. Um, that's not to take any away anything from from Motley. Um, you know, he's he's one that uh, 
you know, he, he had a lot of, of good plays last year and he, he was a solid, you know, shutdown corner for mm-hmm. Ohio. But I, I just think Uzadinma definitely deserved that respect. Moving on to uh, safety, two first teamers here at safety. You got Sterling Weatherford from Miami of Ohio and uh, Jordan Anderson from Bowling Green. Uh, Weatherford was uh, one of the, the Mac players that we talked about a couple weeks ago, mentioned on one of the preseason watch lists for the, you know, the best, uh, best uh, secondary or best safety in, in the country. On the second team here, you got Bryce Cosby from Ball State and Keith Sherrill Jr. from Kent State. And then the third team, you got Tyson Anderson from Toledo and Tyrone Hill from Buffalo. Um, so we, we've talked about Weatherford before. Uh, we've talked a little bit about um, some of these other guys. What did you think about Bryce Cosby being on the second team here for Ball State, Sam? Uh, I think it's a solid place and considered like I think Sterling Weatherford's the best player. I think he's a person that's going to get drafted next year. So I don't disagree with uh, Cosby being placed behind Sterling Weatherford because when you look at it uh, recently, uh, Emmanuel Ragamba has decided to opt out and leave, which we'll also talk about later on. Like he's going to need to step up and I think is a person that's going to make play after play as long as he doesn't decide to opt out as well. I think he's definitely a player to watch out for in the MAC. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. I want to give a little shout out here to Jordan Anderson. He's another guy from Bowling Green that you know Bowling Green right now as a um, as a program they're they're not in the best spot. Their defense gave up a ton of points last year, but this is a guy who came in as a freshman last year and was a starter. Um, he's only 5'10", 190, so I think his size might hurt him a little bit. But again, to be a, a first year starter as a freshman had seven passes defended on the season and 51 tackles. Um, you know, that, that's a pretty good start to a, a college career for a true freshman. So I think he's a guy that is only going to continue to develop and get better. I wouldn't be surprised to see him move up and, and get some consideration for first team all Mac here um, in, in, in the next couple of years. Now they also had a, a flex defense category here. Um, really just kind of some guys that can do it all. Um, you, a guy that you just mentioned, Manny Rugamba, was picked as the, as the first team there. Beyond him, you got uh, Keon McKinney-Harper from Central Michigan, Freddie McGee the third from Eastern Michigan, and Blake Bogan from Eastern Michigan as well. So these are guys that are kind of positionless. They can play in the secondary. They can play linebacker. Um, they can do a lot of different things. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, Sam, and like we'll talk about a little bit more here in a couple minutes, Manny Rugamba did opt out the other day, and he's not going to be playing this year. Um, but there's some, certainly some, some, uh, some, some talent here. Um, do you have any thoughts about I me? Mean, you got two Eastern Michigan guys on here and, and, and one from Central Michigan. We've talked about Central Michigan a lot. I think it's cool, though. You, you see a lot of these guys from Eastern Michigan. It's really kind of, to me, it speaks to how Chris Creighton has kind of built that program a little bit. Yeah, like to have two players on one like list is definitely um, a um, thing to watch out for. But just like the amount of Central Michigan yeah. guys that have been placed on here is ridiculous. I'm not sure the amount exactly, but it seems like they have at least one on every list so far moving forward. So Central Michigan definitely a team to watch out for if they do end up playing in spring 2021. Definitely it's solid to have two players that you can move at any position in Freddie McGee the third and Blake Bogon again we mentioned Rugamba he's definitely a and an, a tremendous athlete we hope to see him get drafted um, in 2021 but yeah I, I think that's all there is to say on it really uh, it's big Eastern Michigan have two players Central Michigan coming out strong and then Rugamba needs no introduction. Yeah, I tell you what, last time at this year, uh, last year at this time, I should say, Central Michigan was coming off of a dreadful season. And it's unbelievable how quickly uh, Greg McElwain has, has gone up there and, and turned them around and, you know, got things back on track and uh, in Mount Pleasant. Uh, going to be interesting to see, you know, how they're going to be able to build on last year's, um, last year's MAC championship. Uh, as far as the specialists go, we'll just run through these really quickly. First team kicker, uh, you got Matthew Trickett from Kent State, who we've talked about. Uh, first team punter, you got Bailey Flint from Toledo. Uh, from kick returners, you got Jeremiah Knight from Akron. First mention of uh, first appearance of, of the Zips on this list, I should say. And then punt returner, you got uh, Dylan Drummond from Eastern Michigan. Also a, uh, a shout out to uh, Khalil Pimpleton from Central Michigan, who's on there um, as the second team punt returner. I think um, Matt Trickett from Kent State, Sam, he's a guy that we've talked about uh, a little bit in the past. Um, 
any thoughts here on on any of the specialists? I mean, these are guys that are, you know. Hopefully, if if you're a punter, they're they're going to be hoping that they're not seeing the field too much because that means your offense is scoring a lot of points. Mm-hmm. The kick returners and punt returners, though, I mean, there's a lot of athleticism. There are a lot of guys who can be electric and and you know take it to the house on any play. Oh no doubt. I I you mentioned Cleo Pimpleton's name. That's the first name. He he would scare me if I was a punter. Like uh, just like if I was ever kicking to him, I'd probably kick out of bounds to be completely honest and. Uh, a couple of names I want to mention, John Richardson, Matthew Tricka. We bo- both mentioned their names back when we did the um, three uh, standouts to look out for. So yep. it looks like they're in good shape to um, have an impact moving forward. Punter got a shout-out, uh, my boy Nathan Snyder from Ball State making the third team list. I know we interviewed um, his potential replacement a couple weeks ago. Do you know who I'm talking about, Zach? Oh, yeah, we got Luke, uh, Lucas Barrow, of course. How yep. can we forget? That is correct. But yeah, just like the amount of dynamic returners in the Mac is definitely scary to watch for any punter coming in this league, no matter if you're Lucas Barrow or Nathan Snyder. But yeah, I think this is some solid specialist hashtag for the brand coming uh-huh. in for the Mac. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is the, the pro football focus, uh, all Mac preseason team for 2020. Uh, feel free to uh, reach out to us on Twitter and tell us if you disagree with any of their picks or anything that we said here. We felt like there was a little bit of, um, you know, some questionable decisions there with the quarterbacks and the running backs. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think there's too, too much to complain about there. Now, uh, moving on to uh, another uh, football-related story here, uh, two guys that we mentioned on this list, Sam, uh, from Miami of Ohio, Manny Rugamba and Tommy Doyle. Um, they recently opted out of the 2021 uh, spring season to prepare for uh, the NFL draft upcoming in next April. Uh, do you want to break that down for us real quick? Um, yeah, so uh, recently, it was this week, both Miami, Ohio teammates decided to opt out. We obviously touched on Emmanuel Ragamba. Uh, if you don't know, he's an Iowa transfer who came in, I believe, two seasons ago, played um, – uh, last, uh, after sitting out a year in 2018, he came back to play only one season with Miami before deciding to opt out. And then we got Tommy Doyle, first team All-Mac offensive lineman, definitely a, a person to you want to be blocking for you, to be completely honest. I was a bit surprised when he decided to be opt out, but hopefully we can see both these guys uh, get drafted. Yeah, certainly. And it's it's tough for uh, for Miami. I mean, you know, Manny Rugamba was a guy that was on the uh, the Thorpe Award watch list this year for the top defensive back in the country. And uh, Tommy Doyle was on the Outland uh, Award watch list for the best O-lineman in the country. I think these are two guys that really would have helped Miami kind of build on the success they had last year. Nobody really expected them to make it to the MAC title game. And I know Brett Gabbert, Brett Gabbert is going to be sad not having Tommy Doyle blocking for him this year. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they replace those two guys. Obviously, they were staples of the team last year. Uh, both of them were, were all max selections at the end of the season. So it's an unfortunate reality of college football here in 2020 that, you know, players with things being postponed and with the pandemic ongoing, seen a lot of guys opt out here recently, not just at programs in the MAC, but programs in the Power Five as well. Uh, so as, as the season approaches and, and moves forward, it's going to be interesting to see how, how many more of these guys choose to do that. Uh, one other news story here we wanted to cover before we move into uh, some other things. Uh, some news out of Muncie, Sam. It sounds like Ball State uh, got themselves a new, uh, a new softball coach after their previous coach left uh, and went down to uh, Texas to join the staff down there. Uh, so it looks like they found their new coach, uh, Lacey Wood. Did you want to break that down for us? Uh, yeah, so if you haven't been paying attention to Ball State softball, Megan Bartlett, our uh, head coach, went down uh, this past offseason and signed a deal to become an assistant head coach for the Texas Longhorns. And recently, I believe it was August 24th, which is three days ago, we actually found our replacement. Hopefully, this brings good things to come for the softball program. Bringing in Lacey Wood, who was the uh, associate head coach at Harvard University. So we at least know that there's going to be someone smart running the program. <laughs> you don't know, she um, during her time at Harvard, she amassed 101 and 81 record during that time, including 59 and 23 in conference. I'm expecting big things um, from the softball team, considering she does come from Harvard. You know, when you when you think of Harvard, you think of smart. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to watch the softball team. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely think you see might see the GPA go up a little bit on the uh, on the softball team now there in Muncie. I think the thing you look at with her, uh, the the overall record there, 101 and 81. It's not bad. It's not great though. But when you look at the Ivy League record, 59 and 23. I think that's a, maybe a better indication of what you're getting here. Um, you know, the Ivy League, a lot of those non-conference games, you know, being a smaller conference, you're going on the road, you're playing ACC teams, you're playing Big 12 teams, you're playing Big 10 teams. I don't think many Ivy League programs are going to expect to win a lot of those games in any sport, whether it be basketball, uh, you know, baseball, softball, soccer. But to see how she did against her peers in the Ivy League to go 59 and 23, that's a heck of a record right there. So I think that's something that indicates to me that she was ready to kind of take that next step and, and take her own you know, program on in a little bit of a, of a more competitive conference. It's going to be interesting to see how the softball team is able to uh, kind of bounce back under her leadership. And uh, it's going to, you know, we'll all be watching to see where she's able to take the Cardinals program, see if she can get them back up in there near the top of the Mac. Yeah, and no doubt, and before the season started, actually, we didn't have that too bad a record. Uh, Ball State softball, if you didn't know, went 18 and 9 overall before COVID hit and we had to cancel the season. So it, w- it was looking good. Megan Bartlett's um, uh, control of the program was looking good. COVID hit. She decided to um, leave to go to Texas. Good for her. Probably got paid a lot more than she would have being the head coach at Ball State. But yeah, I, hopefully we can continue in the right direction. Don't have to really rebuild the softball program. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, wanted to talk to you a little bit about one of our sponsors here at the Hustle Belt. Homefield Apparel, the premier direct-to-consumer clothier for college sports fans, and Hustle Belt have partnered for an exclusive line of t-shirts. Pick up your Tuesday night or Jolly Blogger shirt on homefieldapparel.com now, and you can save 20% off your entire first purchase using the promo code HUSTLE. Every shirt you buy helps us out at the blog, and you'll feel good too, thanks to Homefield's exclusive 52% cotton, 48% polyester blend. Rep the best little blog in the Midwest today by going to homefieldapparel.com and using promo code HUSTLE. All right, guys, so we made it through the cold read. We made it through the news. We want to jump back in here to what we feel is one of the most exciting things happening on the Internet right now, specifically on Mac Twitter. It's been taken over by a storm. We're talking about the Mac Mascot Bracket Challenge. Sam, we had two big semifinal matchups this past week. Uh, The number one seed victory pool from Buffalo taking on the five seed Charlie Cardinal from Ball State. Uh, And then we had the number two seed Zippy from Akron taking on Mission and Victory Husky from Northern Illinois. Why don't you break this down for us and tell us how this panned out? So this was two exciting mascot semifinals. I believe we're home of the number one mascot bracket at the moment, it seems like. I'm just going to put it out there for any um, haters out there. But anyway, I'm going to break down the two semifinals. We have the number one seed victory bowl versus uh, taking on the number five seed in Charlie Cardinal. 956 votes, 27 retweets uh, coming out of that poll. And victory bowl pulled out the lead. He managed a 55.3% of the vote. Charlie Cardinal got a Solid, respectable 44.7% of the vote, but just didn't get it done when he needed to. Yeah, uh, Zach, did you have any thoughts on that semifinal? You know what, I didn't. I think there was it was close throughout most of the week. I think the Buffalo folks really just kind of gave him a final push here over the last few days. I, I guess I should say I was surprised because I did pick Charlie Cardinal on our on our podcast last week. I really thought that the Ball State fans might come out a little bit more. But uh, credit to the Buffalo folks up there in upstate New York. They really uh, got behind Victory Bull. Again, he got 55% of 956 votes. So you're looking what, somewhere around 500, 550 votes, somewhere in that ballpark. I'm not a math guy. I'm just doing that in my head. But still, I think the Buffalo fans really showed out. Prove to uh, prove to us why they deserve to be the number one seed. And I think I'm just a little coming from a ball state fan. I'm just a little expected. We only got 400 votes for Charlie Cardinal. That's really all we got. I just I personally expected more out of the fans. But yeah, maybe maybe that's just coming from a ball state. Uh, yeah, I hear you there. Maybe a little bit of a disappointing uh, turnout from uh, the Cardinal faithful this week. But you want to talk about surprises? 
I gotta be honest with you. Even though they're the 11 seed, I felt like Mission and Victory Husky were the favorites here going into the semifinals. I mean, Northern Illinois fans were not uh, scared to tell us that they were upset with getting the 11 seed. They really came out the first week and, and uh, blew it out of the water. To be honest with you, Sam, I expected more of the same this week. I got to give credit to Akron folks. They did not want to see Zippy go home here in the semifinals. That, that is true. And as you mentioned, Victory Bowl coming in from one semifinal, we're going to move on to our second semifinal. We've got numbers two seed Zippy facing on number 11 seed Mission and Victory Husky. 1,423 votes, 64 retweets was close until the end. No, no, um, you should, North, Northern Illinois fans, you should not be disappointing yourself. It was super close, super tight margin. It was a margin of only like 1.3%, like uh, if, or 1.4, you would have taken the lead. So don't be down on yourself. You put up a good fight showing why you don't, why you shouldn't have been the love seat. But yeah, Zippy came out on top 51.3% of the vote. Mission and Victory Husky had 48.7% of the vote. Yeah, you know what they say, all good Cinderella stories must eventually come to an end. Max schools are used to being Cinderella's, whether it be in the NCAA tournament or, you know, rising up the top 25 polls in, uh, in college football. There was no different here. The NIU folks, again, they really came out and, and supported their, uh, their mascot. We, we loved to see it. We loved all the interaction with you guys on Twitter. Again, 64 retweets and over 1,400 votes on this one here. Incredible, guys. We, we can't thank you enough for the great responses and the great reception we've gotten with this, uh, what we've been doing on Twitter. So, um, Sam, why don't you break down for the fans kind of how we're going to do this last week. I know that the poll is going to go up again on Friday as this is posted. Um, why don't you break down the final matchup for us? So, we are going to have I, th I think this worked out perfectly like we did randomly generated voting, but we've got the number one and two seed matchup going on. We've got number one Victory Bowl coming off a, a pretty solid win against Charlie Cardinal, the number five seed, taking on the number two seed who, who knocked off the upset, uh, upset kind of like um, upset uh, heavy Victory Husky and Mission. So yeah, I think it's going to be a solid matchup, another one to two matchup. The heavy dogs going face to face. We've talked about Victory Bowl knocked off um, Western Michigan going on. And Zach, I want to get your prediction of who's going to come out on top. Man, I tell you what, after uh, after Akron took down uh, Victory and, and Mission Husky last week from Northern Illinois, I, I got to go with Zippy. Um, the, the Akron fans, I tell you what, I, I don't know about you, Sam, but I felt we like we posted this poll last Friday, these two semifinals, and within minutes of us posting those polls, Akron fans were voting and retweeting and imploring other Akron fans to retweet. I mean, these Akron folks really, really rallied behind uh, Zippy here. They love their kangaroo there in Akron. I can't blame them. I think he's. I think it's an awesome, uh, unique mascot. I was really impressed with how the Akron fans turned out. So after seeing that and after seeing the percentage of the vote they got with the higher, uh, you know, we had more votes on this semifinal than the other one. I, I got to pick uh, Zippy as, as my prediction here this week. I definitely respect that, but only because uh, Buffalo beat Buster Bronco two weeks ago. I'm going to go with Buffalo. I think Buffalo fans took it a little bit easy this week considering Char uh, Charlie Cardinal only got – 400 something votes so they didn't really have to put as much effort into getting people to vote as they did in the previous weeks i expect a great matchup but i expect uh a victory uh bold to come out on top by the slimmest margins again the poll uh the, the final uh matchup poll will go up on uh, friday afternoon right around the same time that the podcast is released so be sure to keep you know on the lookout for that Follow us on Twitter at, at Mac underscore bandwagon if you're not already. Be able to follow along. We're going to have some, some more fun bracket-related stuff going on moving forward. Can't wait to see how this, uh, this final matchup plays out. So as you guys all know, uh, we, you know, we post these episodes on Friday. The poll is going to go up tomorrow. Well, if you're looking for some suggestions of what to drink this weekend while you're watching sports or if you're winding down you know, in the evening after a hard day of work, we're here to help at Hustle Belt with Belt's Beer Garden. Every week, our very own Dave Drury tastes craft beer from around the country and breaks down the profiles like a true expert sommelier. 
Check out hustlebelt.com every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for his latest recommendation or follow on Instagram at Belt Beer Garden for 24-7 updates. All right. Well, guys, uh, to close out the show here today, uh, Sam and I wanted to break down what we think is going to be a really cool uh, new segment that we're going to be starting up next week. So we just kind of wanted to lay it out for you, make sure that you understand how we're going to do this. We think this is going to be really fun. We're really looking forward to this. So what we're going to be doing is essentially a season simulation from, from week one to week 12. Obviously, games have been canceled. We're hoping to be able to play in the spring. However, what we're going to do, and, and Sam, I'll let you break it down perhaps a little bit more, but starting with next week, we're essentially just going to sim every game as if every team in the, um, in the FBS was still playing and every team still had a full schedule. Um, do you want to maybe break down a little bit for, for our audience, Sam, kind of the, the ins and outs of that and how we're going to go about this? So how I understand and how we talked about it, uh, both me and Zach, we kind of discussed it. And we want to kind of act as if the Mac – sports things go on but it's going to be simulation instead of real life so uh, you guys can't really watch the sim happen but basically we hope it to kind of have a replacement for the max season and kind of break down each week the pivotal matchups will give you a chance to voice your opinions each week and and so like how this is going to work basically 2020 uh so 2019 rosters are the only thing available right now we're going to try to keep it as close as to the 2020 rosters as we can, but obviously teams aren't releasing their depth charts and whatnot. It's just hard to figure out. So we're going to try to keep this as realistic as we can, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But we're, we're going to have some like kind of difficulties, like matching the real thing. Like maybe one player should be the second string instead of the third string but we won't truly know that because they're obviously not playing a season. So we hope you guys kind of give us a little bit we way, but we hope to kind of have this as like a mock season. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really fun. And, and one, that's one thing that Sam said that I, I do want to make sure everyone understands is that, you know, we're, we're going to be simming these games on a, a website. It's called whatifsports.com. So what if sports, they only have the 2019 rosters available to us. They don't have the updated 2020 rosters for all of these teams. So we are going to be simming these games with last season's rosters. Uh, again, we're, we're doing the best. We're trying to get as close as we can to an approximation of a max season here. So what's really cool about this website is we're going to be able to sim every matchup and not only is it going to give us a score for each game, but it's going to give us a box score. So what we're going to do is every Saturday, or once we get a little bit later into the season, once, you know, into November when Maction would have started and games are going to be on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, what we're going to do is every week we're going to release those box scores on the day that those games would have been played. So we're going to just start with just doing, obviously, Saturday games here at the beginning of the season. We'll release the Mac, the Maction games midweek once we get to that point. But so anyway, we're going to post those box scores on Twitter for you guys to look at and react to. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear any disagreements if you guys think that the simulation was way off or any games you feel like Mac teams could have won. Um, that's what we're really excited about. We want to see your guys' thoughts on how these seasons play out. We'll even we'll keep track of the standings and how each team is doing thus far. And uh, we'll keep kind of at, at, at the end of each week, we'll kind of release um, the updated standings and stuff of that nature. So what we're going to do to take next week as an example um, next week on Friday, we will preview all of our week one games, which obviously are going to be taking place, would have been taking place next Saturday, which is September 5th. On Saturday itself, we'll sim those games, we'll post the box scores, and then the next week we'll recap some of those notable games and we'll talk about the, the week following. So we're really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a really fun, really fun thing to do as, uh, as a way to kind of keep the season going and, and you know, at least in our in our hearts and in our minds. You look at week one, Sam, I don't know about you, but there's some good games on the schedule here. I mean, mm -hmm. Bowling Green was going to Ohio State. Buffalo was going down to Man Manhattan, the Little Apple, to take on Kansas State. Kent State was going to Happy Valley to take on my Penn State, Nittany Lions. Miami was going to Pitt. Uh, we had a lot of good games here in this first week. So any matchup here specifically that you're looking forward to seeing how the simulation plays it out? Uh, I'm looking forward to, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when we were trying to do the, uh, what was that segment called? The, uh, 
the the upsets, the likely upsets. The upsets, like uh, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I would, I want to see Buffalo and Kansas State. I under, we understand, as we mentioned, it's not going to be the same as real life max max sports, and we're all sad. Like let's let's be real for a second. Like this is all fun and games, but we're all sad that um, Mac uh, sports aren't going to happen for fall twenty twenty. So hopefully this can kind of make your lives happier. I'm I'm hoping that the simulation can possibly pull out an upset for Buffalo. That's my hopes. They can realize the magnitude of uh, the combination of Kyle Van Trees and Jared Patterson and Kyle Marks, and hopefully Buffalo can come out with the dub. I agree with you. I think that was that game right there, along with Toledo going to Michigan State in, I think, week three. I think those were the two most likely, um, or I should say the two best opportunities that the MAC had for upsets this year. You know, you look at Kansas State, they're, they're you know, middle of the pack Big 12 team. They gave up 165 yards per game on the ground last year. So I really think Buffalo, you know, Jared Patterson and Kevin Marks, they could have had themselves a day against the Wildcats. I'm also looking forward to the, the week one matchup here. Toledo was scheduled to go down to Tulsa and take on the Golden Hurricane. I've mentioned it before. I always love it when group of five teams schedule the other group of five teams in the non-conference. I think it's a really cool thing. And I think... Toledo, obviously, we've talked a lot about them wanting to bounce back from a disappointing season last year. Tulsa is a program that's fallen off quite a bit. Their last bowl appearance was in 2016. They've been bad since then. Uh, This is a team that was 92nd in the country in points per game last year and 90th in rushing yards per game given up. So I think Brian Kobach, who we talked about earlier this episode, I think uh, him and that offense could have had a big day going down to Tulsa. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. I think there's a lot of great games here, though, that we're going to be able to look forward to. And we're excited to see the fans' reaction as well. And on, on fan interaction, no, uh, we just came up with a new idea this episode. So on Friday, after we post each episode, I'm going to create kind of a thread similar to what we did with the bracket, where we have a list of voting. So, for example, we're going to have the opportunity to vote on Maina Ball State. Stony Brook at Western Michigan, Bowling Green, Ohio State. You can let us know who you think is going to win each simulation. You can put the reasons why down in the comments below. And I, th- I think that's the best way to get fan interaction on this. Not only saying on when we re- release this, the box score, this is bull crap. Kyle Van Treese wouldn't have thrown three touchdowns against Kansas State. Yeah. But also telling us uh, on Friday who you think is going to win and why. Awesome. So we're really looking forward to this, guys. I think this is something that will keep us – hopefully we'll scratch your football itch a little bit here over the next couple of months. So, again, that's something that we're going to be starting next week, and we're really excited about We're excited to to take that ride with you guys. So with that, guys, I think that's going to close out Episode 8 here for us. Uh, We thank you, as always, for tuning in and and lending us your ears for a little bit here uh, as we head into the weekend. Sam, any final thoughts for our our fans as uh, we head into the weekend? Um, Nope. If if you want to see how dynamic Emmanuel Oregamba and Tommy Doyle was and how much of an impact they're losing, I recommend you check out their highlights. I know I did the article on Regamba and posted his highlights in the article from last year. So you can see how truly dynamic player he was. But yeah, I recommend you, if you didn't get to see him in person or watch him, you go watch their highlights to see how good they truly were. I certainly agree with that. It's two great talents that the Mac is going to be losing this year. And it's a shame that we're not going to be able to see them play anymore uh, and you know, put on their Red Hawk jersey down there in Oxford. Nonetheless though, guys, Again, we appreciate you uh, stopping by and lending us your ears again this week. Hope you guys are still enjoying the show. I know we're having a ton of fun over here making it. Uh, I am Zach Follador. He is Sam Thillman. This has been another edition of the Mac Bandwagon Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in again, guys, and we'll talk to you again next week.